Thanks for tuning in to How's Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Nick Gunning, and this is the Christmas episode, which means I'm joined by my old friend. You got to say it. Bo Hutchings. Not off to a good start, but yes, Bo Hutchings is back. It's our Cozy Bros Christmas 3, although this is this is a little bit more Hanukkah-themed today. I was surprised Wouldn't when I you saw say? your book, too. Yeah. yeah. I like that we didn't, this is the kind of the first year I think we didn't really share anything. No, I didn't have a clue what you were reading. Yeah. Yeah. I like the surprise. Yeah. I like it as well. I like it as well. Tell me about your Christmas regalia. I know you've got a whole thing going on. What, what are we wearing today? Um, I'm wearing a shirt that was purchased for me by a friend back in the day. It is a Housewives um, centered, uh, a real Housewives, if you will. Yeah, I got it. Um, centered uh, joke. It's called, it says, you stole my gingerbread house oh you omitted a word okay all right and it is referring to the house that kyle richards supposedly stole from her sister kim richards okay uh, disney fame of um uh the the what's that mountain movie for the kids back frozen in the, no 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 like back in the 70s 80s the, um, the escape black cauldron oh escape, escape to which mountain. mountain oh i love kim escape Richards, a little blonde girl in okay that. he said you stole my house gd okay yeah yeah, yeah. Like GD house. so this is uh you stole my gd gingerbread house that's hilarious and i also have um obviously a santa hat and then this fun little scarf that you'll probably see in the picture and what is the what does the scarf say here mazel mazel so when i was in new york i uh, stumbled upon a bravo centric um pop-up yeah in the middle of tri uh tribeca and you could go inside this like this uh, this van, which isn't creepy at all. Oh, it sounds creepy. You sign, you sign you sign a waiver, and you go inside the van, <laughs> and you get to sit down, and it's legit, and you get asked these questions by Andy Cohen on a TV. Yeah, it's like you're on his show. Watch what happens live. Yeah, and, and because I submitted to that i um i got this mazel uh, okay. scarf that he kind of gives away on his watch what happens live show well it's very exciting uh, it's perfect because we are doing i am doing a hanukkah yeah. story yeah wasn't there a time when you were like you were almost on like you were about to ask your question and then like your feed <laughs> yeah. didn't work yeah, it was a much it was much like a setup like this, and yeah. I had headphones. I was submitting to be on Watch What Happens Live, right? And um, they got my uh, application. They approved me. Yeah. But they film it. Um, spoiler alert: not live. They film <gasps> oh, it at like no. two p.m. Okay. The day before the actual airing. Okay. So my guests were Hoda Kotb and uh, Lenny Kravitz. Okay. And before we all meet, there are about 10 little faces on the, the Skype screen. They picked two of us to ask questions. They picked myself and another person. And I was to ask a question to Lenny Kravitz. And it was like, how do you feel about being GQ's sexiest man alive? Mm -hmm. like, it's a real in-depth kind of question. Yeah. yeah, very deep, very deep, very yeah. meaningful. And when it was come, they, when Andy Cohen said, Bo, from Michigan, what's your question? And I said, Lenny Kravitz. And he said, oh, no, we can't hear you. We can't hear it. It's because the headphones I had. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I tried to unplug it and say it, and they had already passed me. Ah. They moved on. They cut my segment. So I didn't make it to the live air. But then they kept me for the after show. Okay. If you go to YouTube right now, and you look up the Lenny Kravitz after show with Hoda Kotb, you'll see me asking oh, my question. Oh, okay. So you made it. 
It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't in the actual show, but it was in the YouTube clip. Okay, that counts. That's we'll still that's bragging rights. Definitely, I still definitely. Got to talk to Hody, uh, Hody, Hody, and Lena. <laughs> As it lets of friends, <laughs> the friends call them that. So. I would watch that show. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I've got a Star Wars themed ugly Christmas sweater. Today was the day of the library staff party, where I got an amazing. Uh, clue the movie mug as my secret santa so shout out to daphne here on staff at the library she's been in several episodes of the show uh she nailed it so daphne thank you thank you i saw it on facebook yes daphne recently had a christmas poem published in the cuba patriot newspaper and i had her read it and it's over on the library's youtube page so you can find that at david a howe library over on youtube as well so merry christmas and good work daphne yeah, All right. So after you do that, then you can watch my uh, watch what happens live. Yeah, while you're there, we'll have it auto. Yeah, go right to Bose. Watch what happens live. All right, it's Christmas time. I've been in the Christmas spirit. Let's let's uh, open up our books. See where our bookmarks are at. Bo, what are you what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you into right now? So reading, um, I was on your podcast in the uh, oh back in June, yeah, mm-hmm. for our Pride Month uh, book, the uh, Gunkle, the Gunkle, and I was uh, reading a book then, and I'm uh, still reading it. Yeah. So I'm going to promote it again. It is um, the Wreckage of My Presence by Casey Rose Wilson. It is a series of essays from a right. former cast member of Saturday Night Live and a fringe comic whose podcast I'm obsessed with. Called yeah bitch sesh uh-huh. um, a real housewives breakdown show okay and um her stories are hilarious i just haven't prioritized it like i should i understand i understand i but love i, I love thing. casey wilson so i would i would read you, that you do know her okay uh, yeah yeah i do i do have this thing where when i'm really into a book i really prolong it and i don't want it to, to end okay so that's part of this with casey like i feel like as soon as i end it, it's like not gonna be my friend anymore mm. but she has you a know, podcast really- she has a podcast that keeps going yeah, I know you're right. So I, I always have the podcast. While we're talking about Casey Wilson, I assume you like happy endings. Then, yeah, I wasn't right. happy endings. Yeah, yeah. She, that wasn't my uh, gateway to Casey. But once I started listening to the podcast, she promoted it a lot. Okay, I went back and watch episodes during the pandemic. It was definitely like comfort watching for sure. I think it was Saturday Night Live first, but then uh, when my wife and I, when we had our son. And we were up at all hours of the night. We watched happy endings like at three o'clock in the morning while feeding the baby, and just so that was like how we got through those early stages. So it's always I has think that's a, what that show was created for. Yeah. <laughs> it worked you perfectly. Were their target audience. For so sure. yeah. All right, that sounds good. Um, and I, I usually listen. I, I will listen to the podcast during my three a.m. feeding. Do you? Okay. You still regular? You still just like clockwork? I, I cannot stop feeding mm-hmm. at three a.m. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still. I'm just mm-hmm. hungry, hungry, grown baby boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look great. So Same it's thing. whatever you're doing, keep it up. Healthy. Yeah, yeah. I'm also reading some celebrity. Well, I finished. I finished a couple of it's not a competition, but I did finish two uh, celebrity memoirs. One was "How Y'all Doing" by Leslie Jordan. Oh, that sounds great. It was. It was really good. And and uh, our system, Libby, where you can get audiobooks with the use of your library card. Uh, I listened to this on audiobook, actually read by Leslie Jordan, and that made it that much better because he's just delightful. And I was so sad when he passed away. Yeah. When did it come out? Uh, it's relatively recent because it's um, it's within the last couple of years because it's it's kind of the lens of it is about his Instagram fame, which has been right. you know since 2020 really, so really recent. 
And but, that's when I started following him. I was always aware of him, of course. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the best in Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. His, his rivalry with the Karen Walker character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just it's awesome to see the way that like general culture embraced him in the last yeah. years. Oh, so, so tragic. For sure. He was just one of those guys that was like, you know, I feel like you could rattle off a million things that he was on. And like every time he was on, it was just like, yeah, perfect. This is great. I remember him from like Boston Legal and even way back in the day he was on Lois and Clark and yeah just always great and the And he was on a series right now right I mean the, yeah. I think he was kind of in the middle of filming something Yeah Call Me Cat with Mayim Bialik also a pretty good show and he was great okay. on that So this was good it was personal essays it was it was some about his growing up it was some about just like his career it wasn't a traditional like this is a narrative autobiography. It was more just sort of like, and this, and this, and this, but worked really well. Where is he from? Uh, Mississippi. No, that doesn't seem right. Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Ah, well, yeah. both of those sound right. Mississippi, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his drawl. Yeah, yeah. So I would definitely recommend that. And then, like, that got me in the mood. So I listened to Martin Short's I Must Say, which I've, great, I've so. always been a fan of Martin Short. And this was a really good. This was a more traditional memoir. But, you know, his career, like his early days in Canada and stuff, a lot of the tragedy in his life, things I didn't know about, I was really surprised. And I thought it was great. Really good memoir. So he's from, he's Canadian as well. So was he on that? What was that Canadian sketch show that Catherine O'Hara was in? Yeah, he was. He came in later to SCTV. Yeah. SCTV. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he was, you know, I've always heard of that because I read Paul Schaefer's book as well. And... There was that group that was in Godspell in Toronto, and it was like Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Andrea Martin, what? Paul Schaefer, Gilda Radner, Martin Short. It was like everybody in this cast like became a household name. So it was just, it was really interesting to see all the pieces kind of come together and spin out, and how those people all stayed, you know, important parts of each other's life, you know. And yeah, yeah, none of them are really like singer singers. So. Yeah. Well, I guess they, they kind of are. I guess everybody was kind of a singer singer and a comedian. That's true. Here. That's I very think. old school. It seems like celebrities from that time. It's like, <laughs> look, you better have a song and a monologue, no matter what. Okay. <laughs> Martin Short. Cool. Martin Short is great, though. I I've always loved uh, the Goodbye Girl with him and Bernadette Peters. Do you know that? I album? did that show. You did? I, I did it at Tiabiats. I didn't know that. Were you Elliot Garfield? No, I was the dance instructor. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get those legs up higher. Oh. I have a lot of good memories of going to see shows at Tibbetts with you way back in the day. Yeah, like what? We saw She Loves Me. We saw Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Um, We saw saw She Loves Me together. Oh, you were in Connecticut Yankee? I was in Connecticut Yankee. Yeah, I I made you sit through that Okay. All right, yeah. I did. I think I think you were interested though because you'd never heard. I mean, it's never produced. No, and as I recall at the time, didn't Tibbetts get like special permission from Rodgers and Hammerstein? I'm pretty. Um, sh- I'm pretty sure they did. It's not right. I think it was Rodgers and Hart, but because um, Hammerstein never would have approved that. No, no. But, but the Rodgers definitely the Rodgers and Hammerstein like org owns all oh, the Rodgers and Hart stuff. So oh, fair, fair. The, yeah. the library or catalog. Yeah. Um, I, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, how that wild. Happened, but... Yeah, good days. <laughs> I also back. saw "I Love You, You're Perfect Now" change there. Um, a bunch of saw, bunch of stuff. I think we did. Too. Yeah. Anyway, good times. Good, good times. times. Great but also, yeah. not, not, to, not to go off on Martin Shore, I was, Let's do I was it. convinced to, to watch Only Murders in the Building. Oh. And I was hesitant to watch it at first, but I 
loved it. Did you? Loved, loved it. I, my wife and I watched the first four or five episodes, and we were kind of like, whatever, and just never got back to it. Are you so. not into? Well, I was gonna say you're not into murder mystery. No, I love a good murder count. mystery. I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was it? Was it? Was it the chemistry with Selena Gomez or? I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. I guess I just found it dull. I, mm. I don't know. I didn't think the mystery was very compelling, and they were kind of playing off type, so it wasn't particularly funny either, but, you know. Yeah, fair. I mean, there's a lot to watch. So I'll do it. Catch it. Within four or five episodes, it might not be worth it, so I get it. I, I love, here's a tangent, but I love Steve Martin as an author. He wrote a book called Shop Girl Forever Ago. And I saw then, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's... Um, the Pleasure of My Company, one of my all-time favorites. So I love that, what his plays, you know. What doesn't that man do? I don't know. Didn't he write a play that was a producer on Broadway not that long ago with Amy Schumer? Did something he? About the, something about the moon or something. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Remember the name? I don't it's know what it is. Well, obviously, but I remember yeah. uh, being produced out that long. I mean, he also wrote that musical Bright Star. Did you ever listen to that recording? Is that the one with Thorn Silvertree? No, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> or Ryan. <laughs> Uh, the artist formerly known as what i know is that people who listen to this podcast love when we just do inside jokes and don't explain them that's well, well i can keep going that's the bread and butter that really There's is plenty more yeah what else what else am i reading oh i finally started leviathan wake sorry how are you on sci-fi have you seen the expanse that amazon show are you speaking english right now sorry <laughs> <laughs> popular book series made it to a popular series everybody loves it i've never read it and so i'm doing it as a book club with a couple of my friends and i'm i'm into it so i'm into it probably a quarter of the way and it's a good balance of sci-fi and mystery and i'm liking it so you is know. it new you said it's new no it's, it's new. well you know the last 10 years or so oh. it's quite a long series six or seven books i want to say and they uh, the series is the TV series is currently like going on Amazon. Which book are you on? Just the first the book. I never. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Um, and then because it's Christmas, I'm reading Betty and Veronica under the mistletoe because you know how I love my Archie Christmas. Yeah, I have to. Oh, I know you I love have Archie to. Christmas. I do. Is that new? No, that's not new. They do. They do still make new Archie, but this is like a retro collection. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember. Do you read those every year? Is that a tradition? It is a tradition. Yeah, Christmas Aww. and Halloween. Got to get to it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Didn't I, I wasn't aware that you were that uh, into the art sheet. What, what's her name? Betty, Betty and Veronica. Betty and Veronica. Oh, Betty and Veronica. Yeah. They're together yeah. in it? No. <laughs> no, no. Oh. They're all fighting over Archie. Ah, uh, yeah. well. Yeah. What are you going to do? Good for him. I know. What are you watching? You watching anything good these days? So I just finished a series that I'm obsessed with. Um, okay. Season two of The White Lotus on HBO. Oh, yes. I think I talked about maybe season one at one point, maybe last year. Who on knows? This kind of uh, podcast, but um, it uh, surpassed season one, in my opinion. Okay. And it just had an epic finale this past Sunday, and I thought it was perfect. I don't have HBO. Like, we always cycle out, like, which streaming services we have at any given time, and I don't have HBO Max at the moment. I know nothing about White Lotus other than it's, like, every Instagram reel that exists is a joke about White Lotus. So what is it? What is it even? I mean, it's a, it's a series by Mike White. Does that name mean anything to you? Sure I can't doesn't. Of... <laughs> Mike White could be more generic. I think he he's... I forgot what he wrote that that you would know that you would recognize, but I okay. a lot of people liken him to kind of Ryan Murphy now. So like, oh, okay, um, kind of writes um, 
not not just like you know lgbtqia centered storylines but um very fantastic and um luxurious follows like very um uh high-end sort of lifestyle if you will but this takes place at a a fictional hotel chain called the white lotus which is like a four seasons like a really high-end got it okay season one was one cast of characters season two is a brand new cast of characters oh that's fun hotel in sicily but except one care two characters cross over okay the character played by jennifer coolidge and her (laughs) um then boyfriend now turned uh husband in the second season and the first season starts off with um, they're at the airport. It's the week. It's the you know the end of the trip. Okay. Everyone's really tired. All the guests or whatever, and you see kind of a body being um, delivered into a, Ooh, a body uh, airplane. Okay. So you're 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 understanding that somebody died, and then this guy sits down. He's really despondent, and he's talking to this couple across, and then like, "Where's your wife?" And so you're wondering, is that his wife that's in there? How did oh, she die? Who killed her? Okay. And okay. So you go to the beginning of the week, and you meet the the boat of people arriving to Maui, White Lotus, and Jennifer Coolidge is one of them, and you follow those guests around. Mm. Um, You're selling it. You're selling it. Yeah. Funny story. So the guy who played the hotel concierge of that series, Murray Bartlett, he won the um, Emmy this past season for that White Lotus season one. He, his partner is from Marshall, Michigan. Really? Matt Bramble. Okay. Murray was here in February or March when the series was going on. Oh, wow. And, um, so, uh, my, my coworker Ian is, uh, uh, stepbrother with matt so they all got to meet murray at a bar downtown okay. and everything and so they come to marshall quite often wow random but they live in p-town and la it's a very long got story. it got it somewhere and they meet somewhere in the middle of the little of marshall so okay. that's my, my, my little hometown connection but then jennifer coolidge won the um uh, Emmy for the show as well. Oh, okay. So she was the, she was the breakout. I mean, she plays a character that is so out of touch and so lazy and strange mm. and sloppy, but also really rich. So they she goes to Sicily in the next season. So we follow her. So the next season starts off with a girl leaving the White Lotus for the week. Okay. Sicily, okay. Like, talking to this group of girls, she's like, "Oh my gosh, did you just get here? You're gonna love this place. <laughs> You're gonna die. They're gonna drag you out of here." She's like, "I'm gonna go for one more swim." She gets out of the ocean. What does she find? A dead body. Oh no! So who died in the White Lotus in Sicily? Okay. Okay. There. So but, it's basically um, murder. She wrote. If, if I got sure. it right, it's like yeah. murder. She wrote. Okay. In the last episode, I mean, there were so many fan theories coming out, and I I can't tell you, but the last twenty minutes, my mouth was just agape. Like <laughs> I, I could not have predicted it. Wow. Couldn't have predicted a single thing. Okay. People are going off on the ending. Like people are very, very, very satisfied, obviously. Okay. It's I mean, it's just like, it's so, um, so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sold. Now I got to do it. I got to get HBO max. It's Darn it. It's fun. Seven okay. episodes, one hour. Easy peasy. Okay. Beautiful location. I've been watching some movies. I watched, yeah. uh, I watched Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Oh, how was? Oh no! I, <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of knew that it was going to be bad just because of the premise. Like, oh, they're exes and they hate each other. You know, like you I don't know. Got to try hard when it's George Clooney. And I know. I know. Out there and people would go see it. So. I know, but it just wasn't like because they were antagonistic with each other. Like it just wasn't that fun. And the plot was so paint by numbers that it was kind of like, can we get on with it? Can we? Can we do just? We know, can we get we to the then? kiss? Yeah, let's see the kiss. Yeah, 
do we know them to be like a Hollywood couple of the past or do we know them to have had a, a movie dynamic before together? I thought they were always, they were popular at the same time, but they were never in movies together. No, They're no. Not Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Nobody's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. But no, the, in fact, uh, they've done like five or six movies together. They were, I'm pretty sure she was his ex-wife in all of the Ocean's Eleven movies. Like that was their... Uh, no. And they just did one called, like, Money Monster. and But I think as far as, like, let's do a rom-com with the two of them, it is kind of a first for that. Yeah, I don't think that translates that well. No offense. No, it didn't really work. Didn't really work. Didn't work. Uh, And then I watched uh, Strange Worlds with my son. That's that new Disney one. And also pretty paint by number. Wait, is that? um, That's that's not Pixar. It's not Pixar. Yeah, it's just Disney. Yeah. Uh, what's, What's that one about? It's about this... This place that is utilizing these special seeds to like power their world, and then the seeds don't work anymore, and so they have to go and try to solve this problem. And the the guy, the lead guy, his dad was this big famous explorer, and he's kind of resentful of their past. And then they go and they get lost, and you know you can guess everything that happens. But same deal, just just very much like yeah, these are the tropes for this kind of movie. Let's hit every single one of them. Is it a, is it a musical? It's not a musical. Sorry. Oh, well, then I'm just you don't not going to tune in. You're not is, there, interested? Is, is, is there a murder in the first scene? No. Well, I just... You yeah, don't, I don't know. You're not going to do it? Okay. I don't, I don't know. I think I've I, I probably got to finish The Mandalorian season one first before I dive into that. Like one. my sweatshirt. I'm wearing my I Grogu know. holiday sweatshirt. Grogu. Perfect. I thought that was uh, Baby Yoda. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, what about Christmas movies? Have you watched any Christmas movies? Um, I haven't watched any of my classic ones. I usually touch White down Christmas. Those. You got to do White right. Christmas. I'll I know. That. I'll do that Christmas Eve. That's right. Um, but as far as new ones, I, I am interested in watching, speaking of HBO Max, the Christmas Story remake. Or oh, yeah. Remake, sequel. Sure. So I think my uh, family and I will probably watch that on Christmas Day. Okay. But I did, I did watch the new Netflix movie um, starring Lindsay Lohan called <laughs> Falling for Christmas. Oh, wow. Lindsay Lohan. Can you Lohan. guess what happens in it? Does she fall off a mountain? Does she? She does. Oh, yeah. wow. Does she lose her memory? Yes, she does. Man. I don't know when it was, when it was like peak Lindsay Lohan, like Freaky Friday era. I don't know. Somewhere in there. And then things just went a little off the rails for Lindsay things Lohan. Am I remembering I that right? Well, yeah, yep, exactly. Okay. Well, we saw her big last movie, which was Mean Girls. Mean Girls. So we saw it in theaters. Yeah. That was about the end of her reign, I think. Yeah. So it was... Um, you know, I was very, very curious. She did have a little bit of a comeback when she played Liz Taylor. Oh, I remember that. that. Um, Liz Taylor and what's his name? Burton. R- Richard Burton. Richard, yeah, it was just Burton. called Liz and Dick, wasn't it? Liz is called Liz and Dick. Yeah, really <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. yeah. Um. So. How was she? Uh, it was terrible. Oh. It was la- like like laughably. It was like the joke of the season. People were making fun of it. Oh no. It was sad. It was she wasn't ready to be back. And oh, it, was, uh, it did. It it wasn't a good. It was it wasn't a wasn't a uh, hit for old, old Lohan. But That's a I'll shame. Tell you what? Okay, she's great in this Christmas movie. The movie itself is so whatever, but it's just so fun to watch her on screen again. Like she's still got it. She's back. Really. You know? Yeah, well, I think she's like, she really hits her mark. She looks, you know, she, you know, every now and then she's indicating she's a little fake. You can see through it. I'm not going to go too deep. I'm not going to pull out the notepad. Okay. 
I just enjoyed it. I let it all wash over me. She looks great. <laughs> she sounded great. She yeah. looked confident. Um, the, the story was loose and was definitely like, um, you know, there was the helpless damsel and, yeah. and the man who had all the answers. Sure. So, um, so definitely the tropes were there, but it was, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I'm not necessarily recommending it to your audience or any audience. Right. But, I, I, but you liked it. You liked yeah. it. I'd love to see old Lynn's make a comeback. I think that'd be great. Yeah, honestly, I would be happy if this like started a little career for her again, and she could get into some series or you know put her in, put her put her in coach. Falling for Christmas too? Maybe we just make it an annual thing. She just keeps. Falling. She just keep, oh here I go again. <laughs> not again. Well, why not? Yeah, she's like Liza Minnelli in uh, Arrested <laughs> Development. Well, that'll be next. National play Liza. In a oh, movie. I'd watch that. I would watch that. You didn't I even watch Frozen Dick. Ooh, I re- <laughs> you're right, I didn't. But I did recently watch uh, a 2005 Christmas movie called Deck the Halls. I love that movie. It's not that one, though. It's one with Gabrielle Carteris, who played Andrea on 90210. I watched this because my friend Kendra and I are doing a, a holiday episode of, of the 90210 podcast we do together. And Shout this was... Uh, yeah, hey, Kendra. This was a rough watch. This was a... It was a rough watch. Gabrielle Carteris plays a widowed lady who moves with her son back to her family's toy business. And the guy... She's always played a widowed lady. Probably. Even in 90210, would you say? Yeah, yeah. They have a neighbor who has... He's he's hot, but he's got a lot of Santa-like qualities, and his name is Nicholas St. Clair. So I'm going to let you guess how that movie resolves. I, I can't possibly. You can't she figure it out. <laughs> she falls. She falls smack into Lindsay Lohan, and Dude. the two of them. <laughs> the two of them kidnap Richard Burton, and then switch places with Jamie Lee Curtis. It's uh, <laughs> you gotta watch what it. Is the, um, what, what, what is that on? How do I? How do I access? It's that? on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll send you the link. Don't even worry I'll about it. it. I'll add it to the list. Okay. All right. Uh, this this is the thing that I think I look forward to most in the holidays, you know, like presents and family or whatever. Yeah. But talking cheesy Christmas books with you is uh, is my new favorite thing. This is what year six I want to say year six of Christmas podcast together. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. It is no, I figured it out because right. this is the third one we've done in this version of the show, and then we did three right. with Eric, so wow. six total. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, for me. It's not Christmas until we do this. I agree. And it actually kind of snowed today in Michigan, so oh. it was perfect. put me in the mood. Okay, all right, all right. Well, Bo, my book for you this year is Hoppy. That's with an O, not an A. Hoppy Holiday Homicide by Molly Fitz. This is book nine of sixteen of the Pet Whisperer PI series. Came out in two thousand nine. What What do you got now for you- me? You well, first of all, I know that you love a animal centric storyline. I do. To a Christmas, I do. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Book. Yeah, I do. And I, I love that I can expect that from mm-hmm. you. I didn't actually know which animal it would be this time. Yeah, we've had a horse. We've had a cat. Yeah. Last year was donuts. Last year was donuts. You actually got your cider. I had my cider donut. one, and then I had my donut one. Then it's been a long time uh, since the sneaky pie brown days of uh, of your. So I know, but I I always think sneaky. Pie Brown's always kind of gonna kind of sneak in there somewhere. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah, prolific. He's a prolific author. What do you got like, for me? Well, last year I wanted to do a theme. I was really inspired by the um, by speaking of Aubrey Plaza, who is in White Lotus season two. She's fantastic. Yes. 
Um, she was on her campaign for her right. new book, right. um, The Christmas Witch. The Christmas Witch. I remember. Yes. And so I wanted to read a witchy Christmas book, and I read the one where it was. Um, uh, it, it was. It, it was like, like about Warlock. ghosts. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like it was go- about- Adam Warlock and. Uh, yes. Yeah, and the the bat. Remember Belfry? Belfry the bat was yeah, like yeah, good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah very very strange. Yeah, uh, it wasn't so witchy as it was warlock. Warlocky. Yeah. Um, but this year I wanted to go. Uh, I wanted to have a theme, and I wanted I wanted to celebrate Hanukkah. Okay. So I chose the Latka in the Library and other mystery stories for Hanukkah by Libya Stare. Mm. Um, this book was first published in 2015. Okay. And this is a series of books. I believe there are. Um, I'm not following this character, but there's another series of Hanukkah books. I think there are about four or five. In okay. That one. Um, this was a fun, easy read. It was a very short, um, and it followed a theme that I think you're really going to uh, get a little chuckle out okay. when I tell you what it kind of um, reminds me of. Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to go Hanukkah. I felt like um, felt this year lately, and not to get super serious, but I no, have bring a it. feeling like there's been a lot of sort of uh, anti-Semitic hate in the media. Absolutely. And I feel like... Um, uh, you know, it's kind of undeniable. And lately I've been in this town since, three, you know, three years ago when we started doing uh, this virtual series. Yeah. <laughs> and every year you probably have experienced this town of Marshall. It goes all out for Christmas. Yeah. Tons of decorations up. And this year I just remember thinking, um, I did this performance with the Skivvies, which is a cabaret group in New York City. They We brought them to, to Michigan. And I okay. was like, okay. showing them around and everything. And I just remember feeling a little strange about this town. It felt very hallmarky. It was snowy and beautiful, but it felt really, really, really specifically Christian centric. And I remember uh, okay. Like, okay. This is just a very um, specific representation of a small town in America. And when you drive around the fountain downtown, there is a nativity scene smack dab in the center of the mm-hmm. fountain. Mm-hmm. They put baby Jesus there and the other figures that were in the manger. And I just remember thinking like, okay, but do we have anything that represents any other you know, yeah. uh, belief systems yeah. or any other cultures. There's another fountain at the, end of the other end of the town. I thought maybe we could do a little bit more, you know, uh, an inclusive sure. decoration there. Maybe put some sort of menorah or something like that. Um, and then, you know, you hear in the media that Kanye West has come out against uh, Jewish people. And then that just gave a lot of people permission to start acting really crazy. Mm-hmm. And I've seen really disturbing videos of white supremacists really going off and feeling empowered to be able to say whatever they want about Jewish people. And, you know, it just made me really think about my position here and just how I feel like, you know, I just want to be more sensitive to that. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I have plenty of Jewish friends and I want to celebrate them and their culture. And I don't know if this book is really doing that, but you know, (laughs) I want people to like, just consider that Hanukkah. Well, Hanukkah is going on. Yeah, that's right. Perfect. And I remember um, not to name names, but I have a friend who would always throw a Hanukkah party. Okay. And um, have classic like dreidel. We would light the menorah. There would be latkes and everything. And then you always knew at a certain hour that um, you probably want to leave the party because they start spinning the dreidel, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so uh, the party would turn. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But midnight, you knew maybe it's you time gotta to go. go. You got to yeah, go. Because mm-hmm. they'll play spin the dreidel. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, I have good memories <laughs> of that. Not to name names. That's hilarious. That. They really know how to, how to do it up. 
Yeah, well, I, I think that's great. I mean, I think we're kind of in the same position here where, where a lot of just what you're saying too, you look around and you see so much representations of Christmas and, and nativity things and the like, you know, and we always try in all of our programming year round. I mean, we always try to make sure that we're representing multiple cultures and background and beliefs and things like that. And, you know, we've tried to do that again this year. And honestly, we didn't talk about this, but this was also in my mind. And it's one of the reasons why I, I settled on the one that I want, because it's happy holiday homicide. And it does include sort of multiple things in there. And the cover, you know, really drew me in. So that's funny. We'll see. I like it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how many similarities we have in here. I will tell you that latkes play a pretty principal role in the solution of this mystery so oh really yes now the, because this is called the lock in the library you'd assume that's the same not necessarily but okay. uh lockers do play in to the they play in they play a in. little bit okay well as i said mine is book nine and so there's always a learning curve when you start a series at book nine and right away i was impressed with molly fitz the author here because she did a pretty good job of doing like an expo dump right at the beginning that was like here's where we at you know i was injured a few years back and when i woke up i could talk to animals and so this animal and I, he told me that his owner was murdered. And so I solved the crime. And then I inherited this house and I live with my grandma, only she's not really my grandma. And now I just found I have all this new family and I have an identical cousin who looks just like a sister, but she's probably just a cousin. And it like throws all of this at you. And it was pretty successful. It felt conversational and we got a lot of background on here. So who's she I talking it. to? Is she? Is she's in Molly's the narrator. Molly's the main character. Of yeah. The series. Yeah. Uh, no, okay. Ag, uh, Angie. Angie's the main character. Angie. Angie is the main character. Yes. Angie and her cousin Mags. And here's what's. I was like, didn't last year? Didn't we have a Mags? But no. Last year, my that book guy. had an had an Ames. Had an Ames. <sighs> And this was year, that the friend or whatever? It was the friend, yeah, who didn't do a whole lot. Certainly didn't make any donuts last year. Didn't she marry like a firefighter or something? There was something about that. There was something, there was some chemistry, yeah. 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 Listen, I that Christmas donut book I read yes last year was bad, but it was fun and readable, and I still intend to read more in that series, but I haven't yet. I haven't yet. The- that's the one where the lady got hit by a car and like flew. No, that that was two years ago. That was the cider one. Well, yeah. one the grandma got hit by a car, <laughs> and the lady I, with all the plastic surgery got put in an apple press. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why am I thinking of that was last year? What was your one last year then? Last year was when <laughs> the um, the main uh, suspect's name was Softy Hardbody. It was Victor Hardbody and Softy Hardbody. <laughs> and Victor got strangled with Christmas lights. Oh, yes, yes, in the basement or whatever. In the basement, yeah. yeah and everybody everybody okay. had a matching burn on their hand, so you couldn't rule out who did it, and it was a whole thing. Wow, what a blind and they were very And they were very excited to get the Jurassic Park movies on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> very specific. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So much fun. So much fun. Okay, let me let me um, let me just give you the, the beginning here. Yeah. So Angie and Mags are cousins, but it's kind of implied that maybe they're sisters and that's gonna be explored later on. They're with their grandma, who they call Nan, and they live together in this big... Nan and Angie live in this big Victorian house that Angie sort of inherited from a from a murder that she solved. I don't know how that works, but that's how it goes. And they're getting ready for the big holiday spectacular. So it's this huge holiday festival uh, that's in this town, the town of Glendale. 
And there's other neighborhoods. There's Caraway Island, Blueberry Bay, and Dewdrop Springs. But Glendale is hosting the Holiday Spectacular, and it is a big deal, and everybody's excited. So that's kind of the uh, that's the entry point into the series. Everything centers around the, the Holiday Spectacular, which is a pretty... Uh, basic name for something. It feels like a placeholder name, but I can picture it. The Holiday Spectacular. It's probably like um, uh, what's that movie that everybody loves around Christmas with the um, the the English movie. Um, the Holiday. Not the Holiday. The other one with the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't the know. One, uh, the other one with um, Kira Knightley. Kira. Uh, oh, Love Actually. Love, love Actually. actually okay. Yeah, where they have like the Christmas festival. Yes. Whatever, okay. Like, okay. The, the Christmas pageant show. Yes, the Christmas pageant show. Okay. With, with the girls, uh, 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 what is she, an octopus or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I haven't seen that in forever. All right. Take me into yours. How do we start? What's the setting? So um, the Laka and the Library follows um, this writer, a mystery writer. Her name is Agatha Krinsky, <laughs> not to be uh, confused with. Uh, Agatha Christie, sure. Agatha Christie, yeah. you got it. So it's a play on Agatha Christie for sure. Um, so Agatha Krinsky is actually being um, in, in, inducted, enrolled in a um, retirement facility at the beginning by her nephew Sheldon okay so she's getting put into an assisted living facility basically because this is she's had a few falls at home Uh and it's time for her to get some over um you know overnight watch yeah it's it's a very um luxurious you know well-to-do place it's been very comfortable there okay um so we start out by like Sheldon's like putting out the menorah and stuff Mm -hmm. because it's Hanukkah so he's really setting the scene for us so she's a a wealthier wealthier older gal pretty sassy she has to use a a walker because she's being rehabilitated and everything so she's not really um, stoked about being there Um, she's a widow we we get a glimpse into that she puts the pictures up on the wall and um so uh they uh drop her off there um they're you meet the woman who owns it. This story really probably follows maybe seven main characters. Okay. And then each, each of the four or five of the seven main characters tell a flashback story with about 500 characters. Oh, geez. So, <laughs> oh, great. So we're just going to focus on the seven main ones. So, so far we got Sheldon, Agatha's nephew. Sheldon has a wife who we don't meet. She's a lawyer. Okay. And then we have the woman who runs Burnett Court, which is the name of the facility. Um, so she's getting, uh, you know, acclimated there, and it's in the morning. So she's probably going to have to get off to lunch soon, which okay. is down in the um, cafeteria area. Got it. So, All right. So that's where we are. It's Hanukkah. We're in Burnett Court in England. Okay. These characters are English. Um, and Agatha is, it's her first day okay. at her new home. Okay. I want to say we're in Washington State in mine. Now, I left out the, the animals. All right. So the animals play a pivotal role in this because, of course, Octacat, whose real name is Octavia, so she calls him Octacat the whole time. Like it. He fancies himself as her partner. He's no one's pet. And he's very, he's very, like, sardonic and very, like, okay, Angela, give me what I want, and I'm not going to mess with all this. So that's kind of a fun thread throughout the whole thing, that Octacat just kind of is demanding and has a bad attitude. But... He was he was the one who told her his owner had been murdered, and she took him in, and so that's how they have this bond. Oc- now, now, Octacat, yes. So, um, so Angie can talk to Octacat. Angie can, can talk to all animals. 
can Mags and Nan? No, Mags doesn't know that Angie can talk to animals. Nan does. Okay. So it's a secret from Mags because they just met, even though they're cousins and look identical. They just met. And and might be sisters is implied. So Octacat is having a long distance relationship with an Instagram cat uh, celebrity named Grizabella. Oh my goodness! So that yeah, so they have a torrid love affair that's that's all long distance. The cats can use Instagram. Too. I guess yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have Paisley the Chihuahua. Now Paisley calls Angie mommy the whole time, and it is really annoying. And a little maybe racist. Is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, it's it's weird. It is definitely weird. He calls like her M A M I. No. <laughs> no, like mommy, like I'm a little boy. You're my oh, mommy. Yeah, yeah. I was like like mommy too low. No, not like, no. Actually, okay. surprisingly no. There's there's one reference to Paisley being of Mexican heritage, uh, and it comes away later, so it's not really a part of it. But okay. yeah, Paisley is technically Angie's, but he prefers Nan. So that's the layout of the initial pets. So Angie can't leave the house without Octocat, so she puts him on a leash and takes him and Paisley and Nan and uh, Mags is the cousin, takes them all to the Holiday Spectacular. And this is a problem throughout the book, that there are like 40 characters just in lockstep with each other. Like everywhere they go, there's so many people there. But they're heading down to the Holiday Spectacular. We meet Mr. Mr. Gable, Mr. Gable, who is a shop owner down at the town square. He's the chair of the Holiday Spectacular Committee, and the committee is going to be important. He also has a pet rabbit named E.B., short for Easter Bunny, who you see on the cover of the book. And E.B. is very skittish, and he's nervous, and he doesn't like to talk to people, so they don't really get into much conversation here. But Mr. Gable is taking pictures of everybody who comes to the festival. I don't know what they're going to do with it later, but they're compiling like a photo book or something of all of the pictures of all the people who come. So uh, we get to the festival. We start exploring the different things that are, that are going on. Uh, right away, we see the synagogue is set up there. And there's just candles and lights everywhere. And Mags is just instantly drawn to this. So she she goes there and she's spending all her time there. She is in love with latkes. So she's buying all these latkes and sharing them. They're all, we're all eating latkes. She buys a menorah for herself and packs all this stuff up. And then we meet Angie's parents. Angie's parents are local news anchors, but they were like from you know, like a big, like a CNN type network. And now they do like local TV, but they're intense. They're, yeah, they're like retired. And so they do local TV. For fun. For fun. Yeah. yeah. And they're intense. So we meet them and Angie gets a little bit more drawn into the plot. But what's going on with the Lakas of the library? Real quick. Do we know Angie's denomination of choice or? We don't. No, it's not specified. No. Ever? Nope. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so what's going on? So, Sheldon, the nephew, leaves Agatha to, you know, really acclimate. And yes. um, as, they, as they're as they kind of getting her situated and her, her 
room um, they suggest for her to go down to the, um, the, the the gal who runs Burnett Kirk to sign the paperwork and everything okay. like that before lunch. So they kind of describe how she gets there. Basically, Sheldon's like, peace out, lady. I got to go. <laughs> so it's up to up to Agatha to kind of like get up and get her walk okay. and get situated. And she's, but you know she kind of wants it that way, too. Yeah. She's kind of like, all right, fine. I'll just figure it out myself. She gets in an elevator and there's a group of people there and they get off and she kind of follows them and they go one direction, but they told her to go to the left. Mm. So she goes to the left. Okay. And so she's going through and she realizes, oh my God, I got off at the wrong floor. Oh no. So while she's kind of trying to get back, she notices a library. Hey. Like, all right, well, let me check out the digs. A, a library in this assisted living home? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's on the wrong floor for the cafeteria in the office, but she found the library floor. Got it. So that's exciting. And she's like, okay, you know what? I always like to see, since I'm a famous writer, sure. they have my books. Yeah. But she goes in there, and sure enough, she finds all her greatest hits. Perfect. And she's tickled pink, and she's like, all right, I'll, Shantae, you stay, as RuPaul would say. <laughs> so she's starting to exit, and as she's starting to exit, she notices behind the chair a foot on the ground. <gasps> looks, and then she sees a leg, and then she notices a woman sprawled out on the floor, dead as a doornail naked no 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 she's okay, i thought you were gonna say naked but okay on. red dress yeah. okay red dress and a black beret okay and she starts screaming oh my god oh my god and she tries to um uh call for help but nobody's really on the floor and then an art teacher comes in um uh Mm-hmm. Wait, blank, blank spot for me. Either she goes out to the art teacher, the art teacher comes in, but okay. for some reason, no, she, she, I'm so sorry. Agatha runs out as fast as she can, finds the art teacher in okay. her room and tries to get her to come and look for the dead body. But okay. what does the art teacher assume? Oh, you senile lady. You know, we've heard it before. Mm-hmm. She assumed that it was somebody from um, more of like a medical, uh, oh. medical wing or something. I see clamoring without their sure medication. sure okay so she calms her down sure sure lady yes i am sure there's a dead body there and also i i think a theme that you'll kind of find is that when agatha is trying to kind of cry wolf people are kind of like yeah <laughs> dead people every day yeah <laughs> <laughs> no one's really too concerned yeah the details yeah um, or really really like yeah, yeah we're in the business we know we know yeah yeah oh, wow so a little morbid, you know, a little bit sardonic. Yeah, yeah. Kind of realistic, and you can understand. So so the art teacher is trying to encourage her, okay, well, let's get you to lunch. Let's get you down to the cafeteria. So she escorts her to the extra cafeteria and drops her off there. Have they acknowledged and, the dead body yet, or they still think she's crazy? Um, no, Agatha has really tried to get her on board, but the art teacher's not having it. Not it's having okay. it. Okay. Because she, she thinks she's from a, a wing that is uh, maybe uh, losing their I get it. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. Um, so Agatha is escorted into the cafeteria, and she finds an open spot at a table where there are uh, four guests sitting there. Okay. Okay, four guests. Well, we're quick to my murder as well. So Angie and Mags are at the at the setup with the synagogue. They've, they're each, they've got a lot of latkes, and Mags in particular has latkes in bags and pockets. She's got them with her. Right. So they're going on, and suddenly Angie's mom runs up to them and is like, Angie, Mags, you know the big ice sculpture judging competition that's supposed to be happening? Well, you know how we got a big prestigious judge uh, an art professor from the big university to come down and be a judge. We can't find her. 
and we can't find the second judge, but we got to judge these right now, right now, because they're ice. And so they're like, you guys have to go and be the judges. And they're like, okay, all right. <laughs> so they take Octocat and Paisley, and they're making their way to where the ice sculptures are. But what, Bo, what, what's this on the ground? It's, it's red. Is it some sort of, is it a syrup? Is it, <gasps> it's blood. It's blood. Oh. And they have found two bodies, one of which has a giant icicle sticking out of her heart. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, guess who it is? One of them is Zelda, let me look at the name, Benedict, Dr. Zelda Benedict, who was the fancy art teacher from the big university. She's been stabbed through the heart. The other one was the local judge, Fred Hapley. He does not appear to be stabbed. There's no icicle, so we don't know how Fred died, but there's a lot of blood, and so everybody's freaking out. Luckily, Officer Bouchard is there, so he comes over and he's like, yeah, this is bad. This is uh, this is a bad situation that you guys are in. And so he's like, I'm going to go get the other cops and everything, but like, I don't want people wandering back here where the bodies are. So could the two of you guard each of the doors while oh, I go get the other cops? So he's leaving the two like civilians here to guard the corpses that were freshly murdered. And he, he runs off. So everybody's freaking out. Like, for... You know, Angie's old hack. She's a PI, and she's like, all right, we got to figure this out. How could this have happened? Mags is losing it. She is losing it. She's freaking out. So we're here. We're looking at the bodies, and all of a sudden, Angie's like, oh, you know what, Mags, I think? And she turns around just in time to see Angie get dragged and thrown into a van, and the van drives away. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, this is like, oh, this is like Watch What Happens Live all over again. There we go. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. That's so funny. I, I just said, is that like the Watch What Happens Live van that picked me up? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. So Angie, Angie is kidnapped. We still got two fresh corpses. We don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, Nan, Grandma, has been cozying up with this new guy, Mr. Milton. And he's been seen with her all around the festival this morning. So just file that away in your mind. Is Mr. Milton a human or an animal? He's a man. He's a he's okay. a human male, like you and me. Yep. Okay. Yep. So now, one question about that. So, yep. so Dr. Zelda was she a judge as well? She was the she was the guest judge who was brought in to like raise the profile of the alt art sculpture competition. Then who was the other dead body? The local judge. Oh, the local judge. Yeah, so she was like the professional one. He and was he was like, yeah, he was like the local insurance salesman or whatever. Oh my gosh! So, okay, so like, not only could they not find the judges, but the judges are the one that, that were, were the killed. ones that were killed. Yes, and Angie and Mags were kind of like, "Well, are we going to get killed now? Because we're the new judges for this thing. Uh, is it ice sculpture related?" But Bouchard and Mags is already freaking out, and then they take Angie away from Mags. She's got to be really freaking. No, it's out Mags. Now. Did I say Angie? It's Mags who's kidnapped. Oh, Mags is kidnapped. Okay, so yeah, turn around and uh, Mags and Mags is, is being kidnapped. And keep in oh, mind, keep in mind, they're identical. They look so much alike. They look so much alike. So file that, file that away. <laughs> all right, all right. So back, so back with you. We've got four people at the table, right? 
Yeah, we got four people, and Agatha makes five. So she's she's all you know flustered, but kind of like, can I sit with you guys? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sit down. So here at this table, we meet some of the other residents of Burnett Court. Mm-hmm. So we meet Miss Apple, who's kind of um, I would I would liken her to Rose Nyland. Or, oh, um, okay. You know, she's a little bit dippy, a little bit cute and fun. She's always crocheting, so she's there. She's chill and just um, you know, every everyone's favorite. And then we have uh, I can't uh, Herschel Perlow, Mr. Okay. Perlow, who is a Ukrainian guest, okay. and he is um, a little bit more stoic and serious. So he's a little bit more of like I'd say a Colonel Mustard. Okay. And then we have um, a married couple, Rubles and Ronnie Bernfeld. Okay. Rubles, I believe, is the female okay Ronnie, i believe is the male okay. i'm just impressed i remember their name yeah you, you rolled right off your tongue and they are the millionaire and his wife oh so they are like they're they're like you know very much that okay um but i do get sort of the impression that maybe they're the younger of the five okay so so, so they're a little bit more um sprightly because one of them keeps dropping something the other one keeps picking it up and mm-hmm. they're they're always commenting like and he's always down there and he gets right back up so like he must be a little bit more agile mm-hmm. okay okay and then they have a server that comes to the table named greta and she comes in and out and every now and then they make like probably an inappropriate pass at her or something okay like that, okay she's the young bug. sure and so, I, i'm so sorry but People still don't believe a murder's happened. Is that right? She, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm okay. just introducing them. Got it. All right. So she does get down and she does basically say, you guys, there is a dead body in the library. And they're like, yes, there's always a dead body in the library. This is when they're kind of playing that whole like, oh, I'm sure there is, dear. Yeah. You know, who was it this time? Right. And so they're still not really apt to believe her. And I think she even makes a comment to Greta when she comes up to the table to serve. And she's like, Oh yes, you just need to eat something and calm mm-hmm. down. Like no one is buying it. Like she can't scream. It's very terrifying. Yeah. Like, if that's what living in a retirement facility is like, like that sounds terrifying that nobody believes. You. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe she's not selling it well enough. I don't know, but it does kind of get them all remembering the good old days. Mm. Of when they found a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going to get to the flashback. So the meat of this story is going to be the flashback of Miss Apple. Okay. Herschel Perlow and Rubles and Ronnie Bernfeld. Oh, boy. So we'll get into Miss Apple's story in a minute. Okay. Okay. So back at the festival, you know we've got two murders officer bouchard's wrapping his head around all this mags is kidnapped they're they cancel the festival it's canceled they're packing up the vendors they're saying everybody get out of here because there's a crime spree going on you cannot be in glendale anymore so like hit the bricks so they're trying to you gotta get out of town they're trying to take them to another location and so they're they're trying to make all this happen and they're like oh we're gonna lose so much money now it's a big deal and poor mr gable who organized the whole thing totally freaking out so as they're trying to like figure out what could have happened to Mags, and Mags is like a visitor to town, why would anybody want to kidnap Mags? It doesn't make any sense. Well, suddenly, uh, Charles, what is his name? Charles Longfellow III shows up. This was Angie's former boss, now lover. He shows up to help with all of this, and they're sort of like, you know, he's a lawyer. They're like, you know, you guys look so much alike maybe the real intended victim here was you. Maybe they're trying to get you because you have a lot of enemies because of all the people you have helped locked up as an animal-talking 
PI. <laughs> yeah. So so that's kind of what they're thinking. They're thinking that something like this has gone on. It must be yeah. that. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I get like like that. I get that um, Angie and Mags are kind of different in type. Right. So while maybe they look alike, I'm the way you kind of depicted Mags kind of going in on the bag a lot because yeah, I, I imagine kind of a oily face and sloppy a little bit, maybe drooling mm. a lot. Is she a very desirable? No, they're figure? both. So the the thing, the main difference between the two of them, and this never comes into play, even though so much is made of it, is sure. that Mags dresses very. Uh, um, like no color, you know, it's like whites and tans and things like that. Whereas okay. Angie is all like, look, I've got my, you know, flashing lights, Christmas sweater. She's just out there fun, loving, having a good time, like dressing head to toe for the season and with colors and everything. Mag's much more reserved. Again, a lot is made of it. It does not factor in to the equation. So things are canceled. They're having all these private conversations. Oh, my new cousin's been kidnapped and there's been murders. And Angie's getting more and more irritated that grandma's, you know, new boyfriend, new as of today, is sticking around. He's not being like, this is a family thing. I think I probably better go. No, he's right there. He's tossing out theories. He's wanted to help. And this is not sitting well with Angie at all. Or me. Doesn't like this. Yeah. Yeah. So... We go back to Mr. Gables, and we're trying to figure out, like, well, you've got all these pictures. Maybe we can figure something out. I don't know. Time has passed, and maybe I'll stop there. Maybe I'll stop there, because we're about to have a turn. So give me a little bit of our, our flashback here. Okay, so our first flashback concerns Miss Apple, the Rosen Island type. Yes. And she even admits here, she's like, oh, my God, you guys, I have the best story about a dead body. Now, fair warning, I never remember the details of my stories. I very I very rarely finish my stories. Mm. I'm a really bad storyteller. Okay. So this bodes well. Yeah, it does. That's a great introduction for yeah. yourself. I was thinking, okay, what is? why does that matter? Right. And honestly, kind of like the whole uh, difference between Angie and Mags doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. Just, no, she claims and you're like, oh, this is going to be a funny it's flavor. Way. It's just a little she, flavor. That's all. Told, just to get told, to know you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the story from what I can remember involving about (laughs) twenty five characters. Sure. (laughs) Is a flashback to when she was celebrating Hanukkah with a friend. <clears throat> and this friend Dorothy had, was came from a big Jewish family, very orthodox, very traditional, and they owned a jewelry store. So um, they all kind of worked in the same business, and they were having their big Hanukkah blowout okay. um, at the at their house. And uh, Miss Apple was invited, and. Um, Something concerning, like, uh, so this is the Latka-centered story. And the thing I kind of like about okay. this device is that each of the three flashbacks involves sort of a um, an emblem or an icon of um, a panica. Okay. So this story involves Latkas. Got it. Um, so they're at the party, and it's kind of like Dorothy and Miss Apple's job to be, like, getting the Latkas in and out. Keep them moving. Keep okay. them moving. Move those Latkas. So um, they're... Um, there's uh they don't have enough latkes and they told the guests to bring some latkes but um but at the last minute they're like no we're good don't bring any more oh, we don't need any more so the girl didn't bring them but turns out they really did need them they needed uh. more latkes they were wrong she's like oh my god i'm so sorry we really do need this lock she's like okay well i didn't bring them because told me not to and right like, all right well 
I'll go get them. Like, can I go to your house? Are they still at their house? I was like, yeah, they're still at my house. They go get them. So Dorothy and Miss Apple, for some reason, go to this woman's house mm-hmm. and get the lockers when she's not, you know, there. Somebody, like, because they're all family, like, everybody has access to the house where the party was actually Okay, at. okay. While they're gone getting the extra lock, because people are dispersing and leaving. They're not waiting anymore. It wasn't a big deal. It was just something they were obsessed about. Okay, like, okay. Got it. So people start to leave, whatever. And then they come back with the plate of latkes. And um, uh, as they come back into the house, a lot of people disperse and people are in other rooms. So they go into this room where they're putting the food down and they find a dead body. <gasps> oh, no. In the middle of the party. Oh, my gosh. And there's a knife stuck in the back. Okay. And they're freaking out. Okay. And they go and they're um, trying to, like, um, figure out what to do. And they're going to try and figure out who the body is. And they realize it's a mannequin. Hmm. not a real person okay like, okay, okay this okay. kind of twisted uh, like yeah. what happened what's this mannequin doing and then they realized that there was um they checked like the face of the mannequin and there's like oil all over the face and uh, obviously like this mannequin had been fed latkes latkes okay yeah and so they're like what the hell does this mean they're trying right. to put it together the two of them they don't want to tell anybody for some yeah. reason they're trying to figure out they're like like are they trying to tell us that some latkes are poisoned and it's going to kill somebody so now they're obsessed and they're like oh my god somebody poisoned the latkes what's going to happen everyone's going to die okay and so i'm just going to get to the end of this story because i really don't need to drag it on it's not as mysterious as you're going to want to think oh it is. okay i already do want to with the with the mannequin and the latke face well, i yeah. know it, it, it's very intriguing so basically um they're like we're not going to figure this out tonight like somebody's messing with us nobody's mm-hmm. dead like somebody's just trying to mess. it's like a family you know affair like yeah maybe this doesn't concern us let's just go away so they kind of disperse and then while they're away they i forgot who comes up with the answer <laughs> i think it's like miss apple or something she's okay. like you know what you know what i remember at the party that the brothers were fighting over the business and like um there's something that they were concerned about like the deed or something of the business and they were fighting about it she's like oh my god I bet. Let's go check in. So she goes back and she checks inside the mannequin. Sure enough, the deed was like inside the mannequin. Yeah. And like some of the brothers or something were like trying to hide it or they're trying to give like a warning. Okay. Or okay. Like, like you need to give me this deed or, you know, something bad is going to happen. It's right. basically a bad omen. And it just like, it totally, I don't know. It kind of died. It, it died on the vine for me. It was like, wow. I don't understand. There are elements of mine too that the same kind of thing happens there where it's just like, <laughs> You think you're heading in a certain direction, and then it's like, oh, that was for nothing. Okay. Well, wait, wait till the end. Okay. All right. I will. <laughs> I will wait. All right. So back. So back in mine. Uh, there's. There's Max is still gone. We still have everybody here. So now it's it's Nan. It's Angie. It's both of Angie's parents. It's the cat because you definitely want a cat in this situation, and it's the dog. And they're all trying to figure out what could happen to Mags. Charles is there too, the boyfriend. And they're trying the to new put new boyfriend. No, he Charles is not a new boyfriend. Charles Long is Angie's bottom. Angie's boyfriend. Okay. Yes, Mr. Milton is Nan's new boyfriend, and he is also there. So we got a lot of people. We got a lot of people. Uh, so what we what we do here now is Paisley's on to something. They're spreading out. They're searching in different ways. They found some tire tracks from the van. Paisley's looking around, and boy, he sure smells latkes. He's smelling latkes like crazy. And who had the most latkes? Who couldn't Mags. get enough of the mags? And so he's following. Land mags. And he goes to this big lump in the snow, and they're like, oh. 
It's her things. It's the bag of latkes. It's the menorah. It's her phone. It's all of Mag's things seem to have been discarded. So everybody's freaking out about this. So Angie's like, look, this is definitely connected. Mag's being kidnapped is connected to the murder. So we're going to go back and we're going to figure this out. And Mr. Gable was taking all the pictures. So they go back. They make up some excuse because Charles knows about the whole talking to animals thing. So he makes an excuse that makes it so Angie can talk to EB, the Mr. Gable's rabbit. And he says, look, I don't really I don't really do this whole people thing. I don't recognize faces. You're all just like the same sort of blob to me. He was like, but there were two people who wouldn't get their pictures taken and were suspicious and weird about it. I can't identify them because you all look the same to me. But there are two people who are not on there. So she's like, the kidnappers, i.e. the murderers, are the two people that we don't have a picture of. So this is what's going on. Ring, ring, it's the police. We got Mags. We found her. She's fine. Oh, good. Yeah. And it happens out of nowhere. It's just like... (laughs) We gotta get her back. Disaster averted. (laughs) Mags is at the police station. So everyone, the parents, the boyfriend, Nan, Mr. whatever, Milton, Nan's boyfriend, and the animals all go down to the police station to talk to Mags, who has been through an ordeal. And Mags reveals that, yes, in fact, they did want you, Angie, but I didn't tell them that I wasn't you because I didn't want them to, like, kill me because they got it wrong or I didn't want to put you in danger. So when they were distracted, I snuck up behind them in the van because apparently she wasn't tied up. She crept up behind them and bashed one over the head with a menorah and a big fight handle, a big fight ensued and all of her stuff got thrown out. And then they were just kind of like, you need to stay out of other people's business, Angie, and they drop her off. That's it. Wow, she got off real lucky. She did. Yeah, she they did. weren't trying that hard, though. They that weren't. Lazy, they weren't. Lazy. Yeah. And, I mean, a menorah to the head would hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like yeah. the candlestick times ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, it's a lot. Now, did, did, uh, did Mags get a good look at them? No, she can't. No, she yeah. can't. She can't really identify them, but they let her go with a warning. So, so or that's else. great. Yeah. So there's there's like a mean cop who's at the police station who's like, I don't need your interference, Miss P.I. And so they're like, okay, call Officer Bouchard and he'll okay all of this. So they call Officer Bouchard. Bouchard gives them the go ahead to get Mr. Gable's camera because the police took the camera. So they go through all the things to try to kind of whittle out. Okay, this person there's a picture of. So it's not them because they just assume instantly that whoever didn't want to get their picture taken, it was because they were planning a murder. And, well, and that's the only reason. So we're looking, we're looking through the cameras. And while we don't have anybody to rule out necessarily, an interesting fact is that Mr. Milton is not on the camera. There's no picture of Mr. Milton, Nan's new boyfriend. He's a ghost. He might, maybe, maybe he is a ghost. He doesn't exist. So that's where we're at now. Back to you. All right, so Miss Apple just concluded her story and wasn't as loose or as you know sloppy as she made it sound like it was going to be. She got through it. Okay. But now that I'm now that I'm actually articulating it, maybe that was the device. Is that it? Absolutely made no sense. I see. To make sense of a story. So maybe they were trying to make it a little. So bit it's more like funny. And, yeah, or like I, I think the biggest thing that comes out of it, it's like you never really 
it wasn't a dead body. Like it's not a dead body story. Like it was a mannequin and it was about a family that was trying to warn the other people, their family, oh, do you give me this or else? So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a very loose tie in to poor Agatha Krinsky's dilemma. Okay. Okay. Where she legitimately found a dead body. Right. No one's listening. So, right. so every now and then when we had that little break, Agatha's like, that's great. Now can I tell you about my story? And then Mr. Perlow's like, well, let me tell you about my story. And he's going <laughs> to start to mansplain. Okay. This is the Ukrainian gentleman Got who it. I think was a private investigator. Uh, spoiler alert, I think they were all private investigators. Oh, could they all talk to animals or was that just mine? No animals. Okay. No animals in the story. Um, that I remember. Okay. Now, Mr. Perlow's story is probably my favorite. It was entertaining because it takes place in a um, um, kind of a white lotus setup. But oh, it's more of like, I've heard of that. It's more, it's more of like an inn, though. It's okay. an inn that a lot of rich people are going to around around the around Hanukkah okay. um, to celebrate. So it's in England and it's on the coast, and there's a bunch of families there. I'm not going to get into any of their details or who they are because okay. it's just. Um, it's like a like okay, I kind of have to. Okay, so there's like a, an American <laughs> newlywed couple. There's a family um, with a young daughter who's about eleven. Okay. There is a um, uh, an older English couple that are um, a little bit more stern, and then um, Mr. Perlow. So okay. not a whole lot of people, and then the innkeeper who is a widow. Got it. So. Um, this story kind of concerns, like I said, the other one concerned lot because this one concerns menorahs. Mm. So as they're all there, they're all going to um, light their menorahs together. And uh, the part of the rule is you can't have your menorah in your bedroom, though. You've got to have it on the main floor. I see. We don't okay. want you lighting stuff up there, like no fire up there. We got to sure, have it yeah. on here contained. You know, kind of makes sense. Um, Mr. Perlow on the, the the first day of lighting. Um, ceremony doesn't really meet people he kind of wants to lay low i don't really know why he's there i think he's just maybe he's there on vacation i didn't really get the details Mm -hmm. but he's i think he's well to do so i think he's just um a ukrainian gentleman who's looking to get away at a nice um, english resort okay okay so he meets the the daughter late at night she comes down because she the light bulb is out in her room and she's um she wants to um you know, find the innkeeper and get a, get a label fixed. So when yeah. she's downstairs, she meets Mr. Perlow and they have a really nice conversation. She kind of like, she's always, you know, it's always the the younger character in an Agatha Christie play that maybe is like wise or something mm. that we don't mm-hmm. really realize. Or So this one is um, uh, getting information from Mr. Perlow and she's like, you're not French, are you? And he's like, no, I'm not. She's like, well, why are you pretending to be French? <laughs> and he's like, because I, basically he's saying like, because in the war, like, you know, to be uh, Ukrainian Jewish person was obviously oh sure dangerous. yeah yeah so, so he's like i'm kind of used to hiding who i am and she's like the only way you're going to really be able to um have people trust you is if you you know show who you really are so it got like really deep there all of a sudden he's kind of yeah like, yeah hey, i guess you got a point there so some, somehow she's like very intuitive and she can tell that he's um not who he says he is okay so while we're the next day there everyone's kind of like should we all hang out together or like what's everyone doing it's very strange it's very like hive mind okay so there's like people that are going to go do this and that and this and that and the family are going to go into town and the um couple kind of want to like do their own thing around the um resort and then these two gentlemen want to go rowing a boat i guess in the middle of winter of course yeah be a lighthouse so these guys go down there um and then all of a sudden one of them comes running back oh my god 
so and so's Dad, no, no. He fell off the boat. He fell oh, off no. the boat. Not a strong swimmer. No, I mean, I guess it was like, well, who goes rowing a boat in winter? When yeah, it's, like it's not a great idea. No. They all run down there, and the innkeeper's like, I cannot send my guys out there. They'll die too. Like, right. We can't. We can't risk this. I wouldn't it's recommend it. I wouldn't recommend no. it. So they're like just kind of all sitting there, like, okay, well, I guess one of the guests is dead. Should we go light the other menorah light? Now it's the second day. So they go, you know, they decide to go back and business as usual. We got to continue. Yeah. There's not much we can do. Right. So so while they're there, they're like lighting the menorah. And then they come back, and this lady, one of the guests, is freaking out. Oh my God, where are my, where's my pearl necklace? Like, my, 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 where's my expensive jewels? And she's like, who was going through my room when everyone was gone? Who stole my jewels? Who stole my jewels? Um, and then, um, you know, we're trying to figure out, oh, my God, like, somebody's killing people. Someone's stealing jewels. Who is it? And Mr. Pearl is like, let me check that guy's menorah, the guy that died. Because <laughs> I remember him, like, poking around there. Earlier. Okay, okay. He pokes inside the menorah. What does he pull out? He pulls out. Hair? Uh, no, he pulls out the necklace. Oh, the necklace. Her necklace was in the dead guy's menorah. Okay, okay. So what? So did he steal it? So, okay, Mr. Perillo's like, okay, I know what happened. So Mr. Perillo all of a sudden figures out that the dead guy is the son of the family with the really intuitive daughter. Okay. And it turns out that they're actually like con artists and they faked the death of the son. So like when everybody was gone to go like figure out that the son had died, he was actually like hiding under the boat okay. while somebody was stealing her her stuff and somebody else's stuff. So like somebody else from the family was being deceitful. Um, they, uh, or no, no, I'm sorry. The the guy that died was stealing the jewels. Okay. And stuff, Got hiding it. Got it. it. Right. Put it in the menorah to get it away for the family and stuff like that. Okay. So somehow Perlo put all that together and he's like, just so, like you know that. What? Wow. Yeah. Just, just like that. So then it turns out he's like, they couldn't actually find the guy because he had escaped from the house and was in hiding, but the police caught him and he eventually went to jail Okay. And was, and went to jail for like seven years. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was so specific too. He's like, that he is seven years. Yeah. So again, not, not a, no dead body. Okay. It's just a story. That's like, I loosely have a story. Yeah. He wants body. to participate. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Mr. Well, Perla's story. Mine starts moving real quick here. A lot of a lot of leaps are made, and reading this, really, I was struck by how how many people are going from like I I I spent half the time being like, is Mags evil? You know, like is Mags maybe because like a lot is made about how this is a new relationship and stuff. So when she gets kidnapped, my first thought was, oh, she's evil. She's in on it. This is like we're throwing oh. we're throwing things off because we haven't really met enough characters for you to start suspecting things because it's not her parents, it's not her grandma. Like that's very obvious that it's not any it's of those her, people. Her lover, it's her lover. So you ha- yeah, you have Charles who really does show up out of nowhere at the midway point in this book. It's just like bam, he's there. Uh, Do we so, know him from prior books? You must, yeah, because she makes a point of him being her former boss and current boyfriend you know so it must have been something that was established early on but that just leads even more to like you kind of rule out all the people that you've met you know because i don't you never really feel like oh it must be mr gable and his rabbit did it you know what i mean like it doesn't make any sense so here we are we're, we're going we're going quick so we find out there's no picture of mr gabe or mr milton 
on Mr. Gable's camera, so okay. And that leads Angie to start thinking like, okay, since Mr. Milton was already here, like when Grand met him, he had already been there. Like, how did he get access? How did this happen? And they're like, we want to talk to the committee members. Well, it turns out Officer Bouchard is a committee member, but he only oh. comes he only comes to the meetings that involve safety and security because he's like an adjunct member. So then... Low commitment. That's right. So Angie is like, well, if there's all these extra people that would have had access to everything going on, maybe they, they were the ones who would have known that Zelda was going to be here. And if they had some kind of grudge against her, maybe we can connect it there. So she starts trying to figure out who else is on the committee? Like, who else? Because this whole thing, there was a last-minute change with Zelda and everything. And so, like, whoever wasn't at the last meeting wouldn't have known that there were differences. Because the police the police discover that while Zelda was killed with the icicle, Fred, who was a last-minute addition, so people who didn't come to that last meeting didn't know there were going to be two people, was shot. And so it kind of seems like okay, we got a nice plan to kill her with ice, and this guy is more like a panic, like, uh-oh, boom. Like, they have no connections. There's no reason to kill them both. So Angie's like, well, it must be somebody who didn't know that suddenly there was going to be a second judge. Who else is on the committee? Well, it turns out Mr. Milton is on the committee, and so is a man named Bill Randone. Now, we are at the end of this book, okay? <laughs> And we're introducing Bill. And we're introducing Bill. We are very close to the end. And it turns out they're both on the committee, but they both live on Caraway Island, and it's a whole thing. Like, you have to take a ferry. It's not It's not a super convenient place to be. So they missed the last meeting because Bill had to work, and Mr. Milton didn't want to make the trip by himself because it's a whole ordeal. So then it's like, so maybe they did something? Like, maybe they're in on it together? We don't know, but now the prime suspects kind of move up to be Mr. Milton, who's like 80, and uh, Bill Randone. <laughs> like, maybe it's these two guys, so maybe that's it. So now the heat kind of turns in that direction. Let's go track these guys down. Because Mr. Milton's kind of like, as this stuff's coming up, he's kind of like, okay, I'm yeah. just going to... Exit stage it's a, left. Seems like a family situation, so he's gone. Yeah. So they're going to go and find Mr. Milton and track down this Bill Randone character. Oy, oy, oy. All right. Yep. So um, the final story is uh, Rubles and Ronnie Bernfeld. So their story got me really excited, too, okay. because I think from what I remember reading, I read it really fast, so it could have been um, Skilly, but I'm pretty sure it said Sicily. Okay, okay. So their, All right. their story the takes place in Sicily, okay. is what, what I'm saying. Skilly. And I had just finished White Lotus, mm, Sicily, mm-hmm. so I was, I was already there. I was already in the, the world. Sure. Something about Ronnie and um, Rubles, they... It also was concerning a private investigator, but they were basically getting hired to go to this island in Sicily and to work as a um, <clears throat> housekeeper and uh, cook, basically, for this kind of, um, I don't want to say Airbnb, but that's what I'm liking it to, an Airbnb okay. Okay. for a bunch of um, intelligence gentlemen from World War II. Oh, Okay. So they were there to be kind of spies and to listen in and hear firsthand an account. So it's kind of very dangerous, but it's also like we need this pertinent uh, information. So let's find out like what they have to say. So like the other two stories involved um, certain icons like the latkes. Mm-hmm. Second story involved the menorah. Yes. Can you imagine what the third icon might be? 
Is it a dreidel? It is! Yay! So, this one was cool because I didn't really know um, what the um, uh, sides of a dreidel mean. So, I'm going to oh. read those right yes, now. Yes, please. Um, at the dinner table, each of the gentlemen has a dreidel on their plate. So, when they sit down, uh, there's about four guys and they okay. each have a dreidel. So, they, um, they spin it and they each get a different side. So, shin refers to put one in the pot. Okay. Gimel means you win the pot. Oh. None means you do nothing. Oh, okay. And hey means win <laughs> half the pot. Okay. So you got shin, gimel, none, hey. Okay. So now each of the words pertains to the way that this guy dies. Oh. And I don't really um, remember all of them, but okay. I do remember one you, of the guys. You did your best. You did your best. <laughs> One of the guys is walking down the stairs and falls to his death. Okay. Another guy is walking by a cliff and falls to his death. With two falls. With Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> Falling no. for Hanukkah. Okay. <laughs> so um, then the, the the third guy is in the shed trying to retrieve something, and something falls off a shelf and kills him. Okay, okay. And then the fourth guy, I don't remember. Something happens. He falls, probably. Right. He probably falls. So the the basically by the the fourth death. Oh, the the other guy just dies suddenly. Oh. At the table. Oh. Because what you're led to believe is that he's the killer, and you're like, you killed all these people, and he died suddenly. So the the two that are at the 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 housekeeper and his wife are kind of like, uh, who who was the killer? They all just died of natural causes. Hmm. There was nothing really, um, anything mysterious. Nobody was actually the killer. It was just like a whole house trip full of intrigue of like, who did it now? Who did it now? Well, none of them. None of them. None of them. Happened to just happened to die. Okay. So it was all bad luck, or um, it was all. Uh, I don't want to say Bercher because Bercher is like um, uh, not good fortune, but it was meant to be. So maybe it was kind of Bercher. Like it was meant. They were all meant to be. Okay. In that house all right. But it was very anticlimactic and very strange. Yeah. So that one did actually concern dead bodies. Yeah. But none of the people were guilty. Not, not murdered bodies necessarily. Right. Okay. So there's only really, I'd say, one story where something was kind of done really illegally. Okay. So far, which was the necklace. Right, guy, right, right. he actually did deceive. And yeah, yeah. So, what, a, what a weird... Uh, Does it feel festive? Is your book feeling festive? No, doesn't not really. feel okay. You know, you're no. not the, you're not into the Hanukkah spirit because of this. No, book, so I, I I wish I had gotten more into the tradition of things and, yeah. and taught me more. But it's not it's not really necessarily supposed to teach me anything because it's not like for me. It's just you yeah, know, yeah. People can imagine what a what a, a Hanukkah celebration would be like. It's mm-hmm. just um, the Hanukkah party I was at didn't end like that. Right, different. Right. Four people left, didn't die of I natural left, causes, etc. No, because I was left before the dreidel. Oh, spinning. four things went happening. Okay, all right. Well, things things are happening now. This de- like decisions are made. Like they settle on suspects, and it's just like yes, locked in. This is absolutely what the problem is. These people are guilty. Boom. Like there's really not like. Never are we pre- never are we presented with like alternative theories. It's never like, you know, like in my Christmas donut book, it was simple, but it was like there were three or four people who had some skin in the game and all had burns, so it was like which direction could this go? But here a suspect is introduced and it's like, well, yes, that's correct. So a little lame. 
Nan is... You can tell that she's not super confident, but she's like, no way would Mr. Milton Harvey, I think is his first name, no way would Harvey have gone along with this kind of thing. I don't believe it. But you can see in her elderly eyes that she might. She might believe it. She's just a little She Well, yeah, she hasn't had that old feeling since Grandpa died, and Mr. Milton, you know. Scratches that it. So we confront Mr. Milton, and it's pretty clear from the get-go that he's He's at least a part of something. He's at least uh, guilty. Of course he is. Nan steps up to him to ask questions or whatever and decks him. Oh. Lays him out. Lays him out. How not gonna let him dare you? How dare you? So Mr. Milton's like, hey, no way. I I didn't do anything. I didn't do really? anything. Yeah. He's like, that bill though, I don't know. I don't, don't know. I don't know. Bill might have. Bill might have. Listen. Bill might have been involved. He says, "Caraway Island, where we live, is in bad shape. Stores are leaving. Tourism's down. It's a dying town. We need the holiday spectacular over in Caraway Island. You don't need it in Glendale. You guys are doing fine. Move it to Caraway Island, and then that will become a tourist destination. It could save the town." It is Milton. Yeah. So. He's, he's saying, basically, like, we tried. You know, we joined the committee. We tried to sway the committee to move it there. But everybody was like, it's hard to get there. It's no good. You know, and he's... Island. Milton's, like, throughout this, he's also been kind of like, oh, it's probably somebody from Blueberry Bay. Everybody over there is awful. Kind of throwing shade at the other little villages around. You know, trying to, trying to just, like, pepper in little, like, oh, you don't want to go there. But Caraway Island. So he's saying, I haven't done anything dishonest okay i want it to be in caraway island bill's desperate for to be in caraway island if he went rogue nothing i can do about that and nobody really believes this but that's that's kind of where we are so angie calls up officer bouchard and was like it's bill randone period and you might want to pick up mr milton too and officer bouchard is like okay (laughs) all right you convince me me twice you convince me throw away the key on these old guys and uh, so the chase is on. Oh, so that's not the actual facts. Like I mean, that's, that's it is. Man. It is. That, oh, those are the facts. She so declares, we, and yeah. they, they, they never do it. She's just like, go do this and go get them. Oh, there's a little bit more. There's a little bit more okay, of mine. Okay. I'm saving it because you, you got one more story, right? Because we still haven't met Bill. Yeah, we haven't met Bill. <laughs> you're absolutely oh, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But he's obviously this. <laughs> he's the only one. He's literally the only one in this town, so it has <laughs> but, to be him. But one, but there's one thing that's not that's really not adding up, though. One thing. Yeah. There's um, <laughs> the fact that Mags was abducted in a van by two people. You're right. You're right. And Milton's always been with the group. You're right. And we know where he he has an alibi. You're right. I can no. answer that question in one word. Unresolved. No. I don't know. They don't really. Even, they don't really even talk about it. Like in the summation, it's not really like. So what the hell was that all about? Like they don't. Two people. They don't really get into it. So One I don't was know. Just the Uber driver. I don't even think it was Bill. I don't even think it was Bill who was one of the drivers they don't really ever make that maybe you're just meant to assume that but it's never really said outright so i don't know but anyway there's a little bit more of mine so why don't you give me your last story here yeah so the last story is really just concerns agatha krinsky so now now agatha's looking around the table she said okay you told your story you told your story you two told your story 
is it my turn to tell my story? And they're like, yeah, now you can go. Okay. So, you know, it's a pecking order. She's right. kind of wait her turn. She's like, okay, so the dead body, I think it's still there. Right. Probably. They've already eaten their latkes and they've eaten this other, like all the other meals. I'm like, all right, yeah, 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 let's go check it out. So she gets the group to go to the library finally. And what do they find there? The dead body is still in the library. Oh, I guess I kind of thought that it was going to be moved or something. You would no, think it just, just took a long time. A long time, yeah. No, no rush, no urgency. And so they check and they say, oh my goodness, oh, and it's a young woman. Uh-oh. It's not even, it's not a resident. So oh. they're like, who is this? Who's this beautiful young blonde woman? Um, so um, they get, you know, people involved, whatever. And all of a sudden, I swear to goodness, an inspector just all of a sudden is in the story okay so somehow he comes in he's there, there's no transition he's just all of a sudden there and he's interviewing agatha what how did this happen da, 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 da. and so he's going down the list and interviewing people like you know tell me tell me from the top and okay she's just basically like i just walked in the library and i found this dead body so he was like okay um so did you talk to the people that run the place downstairs and the office said no i never made it there she's like i was supposed to go down there before lunch but i got detoured by the group and i ended up here and okay i got brought down by the uh, art teacher to the cafeteria got it he's like, okay well let's go talk to the people that run the joint so he brings her down there and um and on her way there they're like oh agatha while you're here do you want to sign the paperwork <laughs> Okay. Oh, I lost you again. I think you're unplugged. Man, no wonder Andy Cohen didn't have time for you. And it was my other headphones. Oh, so these are the good ones. What a curse. Um, the curse of the curse of Krinsky. So, um, so basically, the inspector's like, "Not now. Can this wait?" So he's so he basically gets the paperwork and it's like, "We'll bring it up to her place and she'll sign it up there." Mm-hmm, okay. So then um, they go back up to her place and they're trying to, um, you know, they get information from the people. They're like, we don't know who this woman is. We don't know. We're going to call the ambulance or whatever. So um, basically the inspector is like, okay, well, the woman's not really dead. Yeah. She's Ooh. an actress. And so the woman what? gets up and they're like, wait, what? And they're like, she was planted here by me. And they're like, what? So then they comes out so that the whole point of the story was the inspector wanted to get the paperwork for Bernfeld Court because his father who died a few weeks prior lived in Bernfeld Court and was being charged up the wazoo for extra expenses oh my gosh that he did not okay okay so something's up with the paperwork at Bernfeld Court. So he wanted to read the fine print. And sure enough, if you sign the dotted line, you're signing away for them to upcharge you for pillows and bandages. Oh, and my all this gosh. Stuff. But if you sign the wrong paperwork, then you are signing off on actually getting them to like you can like they can basically like take you to the cleaners. Wow. So somehow this convoluted story to get Agatha to find the dead body was 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 done by every single person at that table and the inspector and the art teacher. Everybody was in on it. That that makes no sense. And the actress was she was she was supposed to get found after lunch. Oh, accidentally got there early and heard the door open. So she dropped dead early. Okay. Agatha was supposed to go there after lunch, but she stumbled upon the, 
she's like, that doesn't make sense because I, I found the dead body before lunch. And they're like, that's because you accidentally walked in there because you got lost. But why didn't the actress just be like, oh, hi, can I help you? Okay, bye. And then, and then, and then be just dead be dead later. After. I, that's a great question because she's committed to her all. I guess so. Look, what I can say, though, is stylistically, that does kind of fit the formula of an Agatha Christie mystery. Of so, it being a, like a setup. Yeah, the, the setup and the stories and taking you through and like the 11th hour reveal of facts you didn't know, all of that. It seems like this is probably an Agatha Christie fan. I who wonder wrote if it you were going to tie play. that together too, because as I t- as I knew it was an Agatha Christie story, I know you're very into the genre. I was like, I wonder if these characters like Perlow means anything to Nick. I wonder if like this format means anything to Nick. So that's that's good to know that they were a little bit true to the to the format. But it was so it was basically the bad person was the woman who ran Burnfeld Court. Got it. And um, and they they got her. They so, got her. Okay. So now people will sign a legitimate contract that isn't going to rob them for millions okay well mine basically ends like you'd think it would the cops go and pursue bill they get him pretty easily they throw handcuffs on him and mr milton but good news the festival goers move to the park during this whole thing and everybody's having a good time so everybody's celebrating hanukkah everybody's getting into the christmas spirit everybody's having a good time over in the park so Mr. Gable's quick thinking to move everybody to the park as the festival was closing kind of retained the confidence. So they are going to move they are going to move the festival to one of the other like I think it's Blueberry Bay. But basically oh. Bill's thought here was if you bring somebody like Zelda Birmingham and then she's murdered here, nobody's ever going to come to Glendale again. So, like, her high-profile status as this art professor, he's like, so we'll just kill her. And because she's got such status, like, in the community, people will be like, you can't go to that podunk town no matter what the holiday spectacular is. And that would get it moved to Caraway Island to save the town. So he's civic-minded, you know? Those are long lengths they are. to get there. They so really they- are. So he never once was concerned that maybe he'll get caught because he's sloppy and then maybe no one will ever want to go to any of those areas. Right. Yeah. It's just the fact that they're both committee members on the planning committee and had information, like all the information is really, yeah. It's like, wouldn't you look there for, yes, it doesn't really make any sense. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's the holidays. They're gathering for a meal and everything. And Nan finally says, look, Mr. Milton was horrible. But he did kind of show me that uh, old, old, old Granny's ready for a little action again. So she's, uh, she's open to love now. And so the holidays roll around. Mags is, uh, Mags is flying out on New Year's. So they're having their last little bit of time together. She's going back to Georgia because she's part of the family who's from Georgia. And they just met the Georgia family. I don't know. Okay. Um, but guess who shows up for the holiday dinner? It is Mr. Gable and E.B. Nan invited Mr. Gable. Oh, Angie never thought of Angie never saw them as a couple, but uh, now she kind of thinks it is. Paisley bonds with EB. EB's always very skittish, oh. so he's like, "Let's work through these problems." And Octave Cat really just wants his his lobster roll. Wait, That's wait, it. where did Octave Cat play into any of that story? Nothing. I mean, he was there the whole time, and he was funny. He was one of the better parts of it. His dialogue was all very dismissive. Yeah, little one-liner. Yeah, but he didn't actually help in solving the murder. You know, Paisley's the one who sniffed out the latkes. Honestly, nobody really helped in solving the murder. I I don't think so. I don't think so. So in the end, 
it's like we dangled that Nan wasn't biologically related. We dangled that they're identical. There were kidnappers involved. And like none of these things ever really panned out. And it wasn't like, but what about that? We should keep investigating. It's just kind of like was there and gone. So I assume that stuff is going to be plot points in future books. But it's it's a weird amount of serialized plot carrying through these kind of pick up and read quickly kind of books. It's very unusual. Totally. Very well, unusual. Same with mine. It's like I never would have ever assumed that the contract, the contract was never, it, it yeah. wasn't explicitly pushed. Like you got to sign this contract or like it's a throwaway yeah. moment. You only meet that one character for a second. You don't consider her to be the bad person. There's no real signs that the place that they're at is shady. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing leading up to the fact that that could have been a staged mm. murder. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Which is maybe that's brilliant. I yeah. never guessed then to White Lotus, and I was raving about it before yeah. we started. So. There you go. There you go. I don't know. Mine just like all of the like I said, there was no, there was never alternate theories about what could be going on. It's just whatever Angie came up with first was the thing. So it wasn't really like this wasn't the kind of mystery that you could figure out. You know, it's like. Mr. Milton is being pushy and involving himself in this situation, so he probably is he probably yeah. is suspicious, but it wasn't really fun in that way. It it was more festive, I think, than some of the others, because there was a lot of stuff about, you know, the holiday spectacular and like, you know, different holiday traditions and stuff. That was pretty present. So I would say that as a like as a holiday read, it worked pretty well. Octacat was funny, Paisley was annoying. But, like, the whole premise of her being able to speak to animals wasn't super relevant. Like, E.B. is the one who's on the cover of the book. And he was the one who, like, talking to him did point her in the direction of look for the people who don't have pictures. But it just never really was a big part of it. So, I don't know. Unlike the donut one that I read last year where I was ready to read more, I can't really imagine reading more of this series. What about you? Well, real quick, so was yeah. E.B., who, who was E.B., who did E.B. belong to again? Mr. Gable. So does the, so the bunny will now be in the family, too, because Mr. Gable's over In there. Grand, okay. or, yeah. yeah so Mr. we'll Gable add on, we're going to be in the next one. Yes, I think so, yep. Yeah, did you ever find out who stabbed and who shot? Oh, yes, yeah, I didn't mention that part. Basically, Bill had the gun in case anything went wrong, but, but uh, Zelda was stabbed with a a piece of one of the ice sculptures to make it extra dramatic. But then when Fred was there too, he was like, I guess I got to kill this guy and pulls out the gun and shoots him. So that's why. So, so the, um, Mr. Milton didn't actually kill anybody. No, it doesn't seem like he did. It seemed like he was like plotting it, but I don't think he actually did any of the dirty work. He was, was he, he was in on it. Maybe <laughs> that thing, that man. didn't go anywhere. That was so weird. That didn't go anywhere, but so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't I, think I'll be picking up any more of the Pet Whisperer PI. You know, as far as this one goes, I love the length. It was like I, on my uh, Nook, it was seventy-seven pages. It was okay. super easy to read. It was. It started to like. I think when I first started out, it was. It's always hard for me because I read such you know literary masterpieces. Of course, so yeah. It's hard for me to pick up a like a kitschy little book and then get into the tone and be like, this is like, I can't, I can't wrap my yeah, head around this. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, within 10 pages, you're there. Right, you can, right. You understand the cadence, you understand the language and everything. And, and I think that it was, 
to, to, to your point of playing into the Agatha Christie of it all, I think that was actually kind of fun. Okay. And I would be interested to see a little bit more of what Libby Astaire has to offer. You know, okay. I definitely think that um, it was... It was. Um, I think the, the 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 flashbacks, especially the Perlo one, enjoyed. Even though I couldn't explain it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, um, I think there were definite um, definite elements of good storytelling there. Eventually, okay. it took me a while to get into the tone, um, and I liked the character of Actor Kinsky. I liked that it focused on older characters too. Yeah, you don't ever really get to see the older ones as like being the protagonist and being sassy and still having a lot of vibrance and life, and that was yeah. cool true yeah okay well yeah pretty successful overall then absolutely i thought i think you know it was painless first, yeah our first introduction into hanukkah that's I right think that we you know we i learned about the dreidel and um i feel as um, did i yeah 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 i feel like i learned a thing or two yeah definitely well we are in the midst of hanukkah right now and we do here have the library in the kids room we have a nice big display of kids hanukkah books and in the adult section we have a holiday display with a mix of christmas and hanukkah and kwanzaa fiction and nonfiction. so lots of things to check out here movies books all that sort of thing so stop into the library because it's a fun time uh Bo, are we going to do a pride month book club let's do it okay you got anything in mind um Oh, well, they're going to make a movie of that last one that we did, Red, White. Oh, oh Red, White, and Royal Blue. Blue. Yeah, Red, yeah. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Yeah. Um, is there anything else from that author that we should read, like a yeah. preparation? Maybe. Maybe. That's Casey McQuiston. Yeah, I can look and see right. what they got going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, June it is. Hey, did you watch um, the Beauty and the Beast live? No. Did that happen? I guess it happened like last night. Oh, and, uh, no. Shania Twain played Miss Potts. Oh. Okay. All right. Tale as old as time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that don't impress me much, but I, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I hope, <laughs> I hope for her it worked out. I made it. I almost made it this whole time without coughing. Oh, well. Yeah. That. Sorry. Okay. Well, listen, I. This is maybe a weird time to tell you this, but this library doesn't even have a podcast. This is just an excuse for us to talk Christmas books. Is this thing plugged in? <laughs> no, no, we're not even recording. So I feel, I felt in the spirit of Hanukkah, I felt I should be honest with you. Hey, that'd be a better so. twist than Mr. Milton. That's true. <laughs> that That's true. It would. <laughs> that's true. It would. Well, didn't yeah. Didn't you do that? Didn't you record a whole episode with Kendra or something and oh, like, didn't even record? It's happened record? many a times. Yeah, oh, in the okay. olden days, Eric and I did that a couple of times and had to completely restart from scratch. Oh, and it's okay. it's very disheartening. you got to come up with new jokes. You can't say the same jokes no. just because nobody heard them. Let me pull out my script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but if we could take it from Act 3 of this podcast, yeah. that would be Oh, great. when my when my when my audio cut out that one time, yeah, the yeah. first time. Yeah, let's uh okay. yeah, we'll I'm take there. it. I'm there. We'll take it from there. All right, well listen, uh any excuse to chat with you is is one that I'm down for. So I'm I, always apt to chat with you two times a year. Yeah. So. <laughs> what about more? Should we try more or you think how many more how many more seasons can we podcast i don't know let's do it let's i don't i don't have anything set for arbor day so we could maybe read something about trees when is that that'd be good i want to say april yeah i think i'm busy that day okay well valentine's day is february so we could maybe do uh or galentine's day to celebrate sure yeah yeah whatever works i'm open hey i i threatened i might come to your neck of the woods in the summer so maybe this is me holding it to yeah holding holding myself to it okay i think so 
All right, well, um, neither of these books are available to check out here at the David A. Howe Public Library, I'm sorry to say. I don't even know that they exist in print. But if you want to read them bad enough, you just let us know, and I will hook you up with one of these books one way or another, come hell I'll or high water. Yeah. Does your nook still have that note I wrote you in it? That's Let's see. Let's look. Because... What does it say? Is it there? What do we got? Oh, look at that. Happy opening, Bo. Oh, wait, that was a... Uh... <laughs> Something different. That wasn't even me. That was, that was a different uh, Nick. That was that's, the one that broke his leg. That's embarrassing. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Bo, read for the stars. Oh, oh Nick, I so get beautiful. it. So beautiful. Nick Gunning. Nick Gunning, director. Are you still the director? Yeah, they're keeping He's, me on. They're keeping Mr. me on. Correct. Yep, All they're right. keeping me on. So things are going well. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this extended holiday extravaganza with my good friend Bo Hutchings. Bo, thanks again. Thank you for having me, and happy holidays. See you for Pride Month. Hey.